Talking With My Mouthful is supported by Abio Kitchen and their chef-approved line of stainless steel cookware. Abio is committed to providing the cookware to help you become a more confident home cook. The Abio set comes with the five pans you need to do 95% of your cooking at half the price of comparable sets. The one and I use it in our home and we love it. Visit abiokitchen.com to learn more. Rene, you grew up in the hinterlands of the Midwest, right? Indiana or uh, was it Idaho or one of those I states, right? <laughs> Iowa. Right. I was born Iowa, on a farm in Iowa, David. <laughs> there you go. Pigs, alfalfa, a crick running through the back 40, dirt a bikes, a Did crick. Did you say a crick? <laughs> dirt bikes, four-wheelers, something uh-huh. a city boy such as yourself probably can't even fathom. Excuse me, that is not how you make a mocha latte. Oh, well, look, Missy, I was not born a city boy. I grew up walking country lanes and grass stalking. I did a grass stalking my teeth and playing, quite literally, I mean this, with the one cow, our neighbor, (laughs) Mr. Miranda. You played with the cow, Mr. Miranda. I had a very lonely childhood. (laughs) But it was indeed the East Coast. It wasn't the Midwest. Mm. And tell me, in your country idol out there in Iowa, what were some of your best baking memories? Oh, gosh. So many. Mm. Um, Mostly pie, right? My grandma was known as the pie lady. Mm -hmm. Everybody in Burrita and Mount Carmel, Iowa, referred to Celia Hagrick as a pie lady. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peach pie was her specialty. No one has that recipe except she did write it down for me in a notebook before she passed away. Um, My mom's apple pie yeah. That was pretty amazing. I was once in love with an Australian, and he almost stayed because of that pie. Are you serious? You've never told me that story. <laughs> There's a lot I could, haven't told you. Um, also, rhubarb pie. Uh-huh. So many pies. I think I was really, the Midwest is really pie mm-hmm. country. Also, you know, cinnamon rolls in the fall. Mm-hmm. All that hearty, kind of stick uh, to your ribs, get you through lovely. a day in the fields type of mm-hmm. stuff. What about you? Well, my mom didn't bake, neither did my grandmother. So whenever my mom did bake, it was always something Pillsbury. It really oh. was. And my favorite, though, were the apple turnovers. I would stand on a chair in front of the oven, and I would watch them heave and heave as they puffed up I more and that. more yeah. and turning brown. And then I just loved taking the icing and doing the zigzagging on top, you know? I oh, I do know. And how they would collapse a little bit as they yes. cooled, but you had and to then, wait a little bit longer or you'd burn your fingers? Absolutely. Oh, I just absolutely love them. Isn't it mind-boggling how food memories, especially baking memories, can be so comforting? Yeah, it's true. That's why we dedicated an entire episode to the simple comforts of baking. Oh, praise be. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Leet, creator of the website Leet's Culinaria. And I'm Renee Shetler, its editor-in-chief. And this is Talking With My Mouthful. Today we're talking about comfort baking. I mean, as if there's any other kind, right? With Shauna Seaver, who, like Renee, has Midwest roots. Besides living in Chicago, she's the author of a wonderful cookbook, Midwest Made. Thanks for being here with us today, Shauna. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So, Shauna, let's take a page out of Sound of Music and 
Let's start at the very beginning. Where did your passion <laughs> for baking begin? My passion for baking, I think, it's always been with me. I've always loved it,、um, but I think it really、mm-hmm. came into play as far as a career goes in about 2007. I was actually working in LA.、Um, Doing entertainment news and TV hosting was kind of my, my career goal at the time. But because I had always loved food and I had always loved writing,、um, I got in on that first sort of wave of food blogging in. You know, well, I guess it was maybe the end of the first wave, would you say, David?、You're, you'd be the, the expert on timelines. Don't call him an expert on anything, it'll go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started in 1999, so I don't know when any wave of anything started, but I think that was kind of the big、okay. wave, yeah. The, the- yeah, certainly finding a lot of、uh, writing and, and sites that were really inspiring. And so I started writing about the baking I had been doing from my little apartment in Santa、mm-hmm. Monica, which is where I lived. And that That sort of led to、uh, a number of opportunities. And then, you know, there was a pivot when I had my daughter in 2008. We had moved to San Francisco,、mm-hmm. I had a baby. And then having a blog gave me a creative outlet, something to do, even though I had this little baby at home. And then, you know, really working on my voice and my recipes and that sort of style led to meeting a book editor and so on and so on. So that's, that's kind of the, the short story, I guess. Oh, It's a good、okay. story.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, in the intro to your book, Midwest Made, you referred to the middle part of the country as the flyover states.、Mm. And you kind of muse that no one ever really gives a second thought to that kind of baking. And yet, you had an entirely different sort of epiphany of your own about that sort of cooking and baking. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, I think growing up, I didn't really think about it so much as being flyover country. It just. It was what it was, you know, and I think even people who live in the Midwest in terms of the food are、um, sort of guilty of taking for granted what we eat here as being sort of normal and available everywhere. But when I lived、sure. on、mm-hmm. the West Coast for almost 13 years, I, you know, I didn't see a lot of the same things. You know, all of the different immigrant influences that are really deeply embedded in the Midwest, you know, you don't find those same things in bakeries in California. And so that was kind of where. I first started thinking about it.、Um, but then when we moved back、uh, to Chicago, which was fall 2015, we moved really suddenly. My husband got a new job and we were here within a matter of weeks. It wasn't something that I saw sort of coming on the horizon that I could plan for. It was just we were all of a sudden here. And I decided that that was, you know, food and particularly baking was going to be the way that we. Sort of celebrated our own homecoming and visiting all the old school bakeries around here and rediscovering family recipes. And, you know, it, what started as a way to sort of connect myself and, and my kids, because, you know, I had two little kids that I never thought would grow up in the Midwest. And I thought, you know, I want them to, to know about these recipes and have them be a regular part of their life and to realize that they're special、mm-hmm. from, the, from the get go and not take those things for granted like I do, like so many other people do, you know. I love that. Well, you know, flipping through your book, I absolutely drooled. My baking tastes run very deeply American. So, what was so special and so unexpected about a book that is so quintessentially American is that so many of the recipes are of immigrant origin. Now, can you、mm-hmm. talk about the European influences on Midwest baking? Yeah, you know, you, you kind of hit it right there. You know, I think、mm-hmm. what we think of as being all American baking really does have those 
like I said, those deeply embedded influences that we just sort of gloss over right. because they're always right there. Um, and what was really fun about writing this book and what really gave me a lot of fuel is I realized quickly I was not just sharing a book of family recipes or, you know, kind of just <laughs> trying to remake the Better Homes and Gardens cookbook or something like that, that, mm -hmm. that this was a book that really could have a lot of character and a lot of heart. And that all comes from the roots of these recipes. And the most fun thing was trying to think of something, like you said, so quintessentially American, like perfect example mm -hmm. is the brownie, right? And I'm thinking about the brownie. And then it takes just a couple of, you know, little bits of research to realize that that was invented at the Palmer House Hotel in Chicago, the World's Fair, like everything, <laughs> the World's Fair. Um, and the um, owner of the hotel, his wife needed a dessert to put in the little lunch boxes for the society ladies coming to the fair. And they wanted something handheld. At the time, everyone was eating still sort of Victorian era inspired cakes that you needed a fork. And this was a case where they essentially took a satchertort, that really dense, um, you know, German chocolate mm -hmm. cake, and it turned it mm -hmm. into kind of a handheld bar. Um, and, you know, that's just one example. But I found that again and again, you know, banana bread and Rice Krispie treats and bun cakes and all these things all have roots right here in the, the Midwestern states. So it made it really easy mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, beef up those recipes because the best stories tend to come from this region, which is great. And historically, they have, a lot of them have roots in Germany or Austria or other places, which that was so fascinating to me, being Portuguese and seeing all of that being in the Midwest, this big European influence. Yeah. And it's, you know, and then when you think about Minnesota, they have the Scandinavian influence there. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's not yes. just always, you know, one, uh, you know, the sort of parts of Europe that we all think of as being great baking, you know, France and Germany. And like, like you mentioned, it does kind of get um, spread out. But a big part of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people who came to the United States at that time came to farm, and there were a lot of, there's a lot of open farmland here. And so you had people that were incredibly skilled at farming that decided to settle here. Mm -hmm. And so that we just kind of got lucky, you know, <laughs> that um, that was, you know, what a lot of people made their new life, you know, here in the Midwest doing. It was just a big land of opportunity and it happened to be a great, you know, great baking cultures as well all kind of ended up here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they handed the recipes down through the generations then. Yes. And, you know, I think that's something else that's really important to mention about Midwestern people is that even though, I mean, the Midwest, of course, is as modern and interesting as anywhere, um, you know, the tradition, it, it means a lot, you know, handing things down through families and keeping those sort of things alive, I think, is very much a part of the Midwestern spirit. Maybe it's not so much in other parts of the country. Um, that's something that we really, really value here, you know. I think you're right. I grew up in the Midwest as well, and I remember those community church cookbooks, right? Those spiral-bound. And it didn't yes. matter whose recipe it was, it still felt familiar. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right, because a big part of, you know, eating in the Midwest, I mean, who does the potluck better? I don't know one. You know what I mean? And so we're used <laughs> right. to seeing, that's kind of what inspired the cover of the book, too, is really making it feel like it was a moment where there were things on the table that, you know, Lots of different people contribute, and that's part of what you do. If you're going to go somewhere, if you're even now, you're going to go to a party. I mean, what are you going to bring? What can I bring? I mean, that's just 
part of, mm-hmm. of living here. Um, and so when you talk about looking at church community cookbooks and, and seeing recipes that feel familiar, it doesn't necessarily mean that your mother or grandmother made them, but you've seen them, you know, whether it's in the church basement or on somebody else's buffet at someone else's home. It's like you see the same things over and over again. So the familiarity of things is, is really very special. And do you think that's what makes those recipes so comforting then, even if they weren't handed down in your own family? Yes, I do. And I think that's why, you know, I make baking such a huge part of my my food career. And then, you know, particularly for this mm-hmm. book, there really was not a book that dealt specifically with, you know, Midwestern baking, although there are some great Midwestern general food books out there. Um, I really felt like baking was this this place to tell a lot of these kind of stories and create a, a mood and really a feeling that comes around those types of recipes. Well, part of that mood and part of that feeling, I think, comes in the introduction to the book. Now, I love what you call your five baking tenets of the Midwest. <laughs> I thought yes. that was fabulous. Can you take us through those tenets? I think people really could benefit from it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So the five tenants, as I say, um, are bake big, bake easy, bake mm-hmm. with purpose, mm-hmm. bake from the past, mm-hmm. and bake in the present. Yep. Um, and so this is not a book of small batch recipes. That's not what we do here. Right. Um, the nine by 13. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a nine by 13 or, yeah, right? It, yes, um, especially it right should. now, uh, you know, yes. everything should be a nine <laughs> by 13. Um, and yeah, that's part of it. You know, you want to bake a bigger batch of things because someone else may drop by or you may, you know, things are meant to be shared here, you know? And I think that's part of what makes the concept of the pie such a beautiful thing is that a pie is meant to be shared. Mm-hmm. That to me is the quintessential Midwestern food, you know? Um, baking. Yeah. Yeah. Baking easy is, you know, no one wants to do anything too fussy. A lot of this book is built on pantry staples with maybe a few extra fun ingredients thrown in. Um, Baking with purpose Mm -hmm. is something that I think is, you know, we all can relate to. And that's what I think makes baking special and why I love it is there's always a reason to bake. I always say, you know, we have to cook, but we get to bake. Like baking is always going to be something we get to do that's beyond the everyday, even if it's just a Mm -hmm. simple pan of brownies, you know. Um, And so the purpose is, you know, it could be a craving, it could be a birthday um, or a holiday, but there's always going to be purpose. And then the baking from the past and the baking in the present, I think, is just this really great dichotomy about the Midwest because it's a region where, like we said, we really value these traditional recipes and recipes that are passed down. But at the same time, the Midwest is a place of incredible innovation. I mean, some of our most iconic American food products and food companies are still based in this region. And I think there's really, um, that, that, that's in the food, you know, I think it's really this feeling of like doing what you can with what you have and not being afraid to reinvent Mm -hmm. things is Mm -hmm. also a huge part of the Midwestern experience. I'm going to tell you a little secret, Shauna. When I read that, I copied it, cut it out, and I have it taped in my kitchen. No way. I think those five, ten, I do. <laughs> those tenants are just beautiful, especially for me, the cooking from the past and cooking in the present. Those really, and cooking with purpose, I mean, all of them are great, but those really struck me. And I thought, you know what? That's really lovely. And sometimes we're just a little mindless when we do some of this stuff. And I thought mm-hmm. that was so lovely to be so mindful about baking. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I I did, you know, even though I, I appreciate the compliment, I mean, to be completely honest, when I 
took on this book mm-hmm. and I knew how complex it could become, it was really important to find my own kind of, well, I don't want to say 10 commandments because there's only five tenants, but to find my, <laughs> you know, what's going to be my North Star? What's Because you know, when you sure, get sure. halfway right. through writing a book, yes. you're like, why did I say yeah, I was going to do doing? this? What am I doing? This is the right. worst yes. idea ever. Um, I'm going into yes. it so stupid. But then knowing that I was going to do something so deeply personal also and that I was going to need these just really simple list of of things. And, and it comes to mm-hmm. when you're picking recipes to go into a big recipe collection, how do you know if it fits or not? You know, because it's especially with social right. media and you see so many great ideas out there and then you come up with something really innovative and it's like, oh, does it really fit? Well, let's go back to the tenants mm-hmm. and see if it if it checks all those yes, boxes. Yes, if not, yes. I love that. You know, we save it for something else. So keep it simple. Exactly. I think they tell people what the book is about, but it also informed me in, in making the book. So. Well, speaking of keeping it present, with everyone hunkering down these days and having a lot of time on their hands, yeah. I know people are baking more, right? They're baking bread, that's for certain. Like We've seen that, right? <laughs> yes, they are. I'm included. I'm doing it too. But dessert recipes, though, have you received the most requests yeah. for? Oh, that's a good question. Well, that's been a really wonderful experience. Um, this book has been you know, really well received from the beginning, which has been wonderful. But now I think even people who bought it when it came out in the fall or they got it as a holiday gift are finally digging into it. So it's been really great. Um, you know, banana bread, of course. Everybody's making banana bread of course, because, right? Yeah, it's simple. It is the, the quintessential mm-hmm. comfort recipe. It uses what we have because we always buy a bunch of bananas to be virtuous and then we never too finish many. Them. Too yeah. many. Yes, exactly. Um, and you can put them in your freezer too and then always have bananas. So, um, yeah. I was going to say, and when you have banana bread left over, you can make banana bread French toast. Oh, right. Renee, that sounds Which is so incredible. Good. That sounds so good. I haven't done that yet, but I should. We go through ours pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, definitely the banana bread. Um, the chocolate chip cookie brittle, which is a recipe of mine that's been floating around for a while, but that is in the book. Um, people love the donut loaf. That was kind of one of those funny recipes that ended yeah, up in the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh-huh. kind of novel. Um, and yeah, what else? I mean, uh, on this site, we have your incredible Twinkie cake. Ah, Are people yes. making that? Are they talking about that? I think that's great. I will see a Twinkie Bunt cake pop up every now and again. That was in my second book, mm-hmm. Pure Vanilla, which, you know, in this yeah. cookbook world, right. if a if a book is seven years old now. It's like, it, it's ancient. Um, but yeah, occasionally I'll see, I'll see a Twinkie Bunt cake pop up. That's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad. I, I love that. I think it's a great cake. I loved it. I've made it a couple of times. I think it's a wonderful dessert. Oh, thank you so much. That's a fun one. And actually the cake, if I can remember correctly, uh, is kind of a riff on um, my great aunt Phyllis's crusty butter pound cake, which is in Midwest made. I've been seeing a lot of pound cakes too. Yeah. Yes. Everyone's been clamoring for pound cakes. Mm-hmm. Well, now everyone's clamoring for flour. But I think that's another thing I've seen a lot of is the um, the next level crispy treats that are in the book, which are just sort of an amped up rice crispy mm-hmm. treat with a lot of great little things thrown in to make them extra special. Um, and you don't need flour for that recipe. And you don't really even need to bake it. And it's that's something that... Amen. It's evocative of, you know, childhood. And it's such texturally like the perfect food. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, people have been making an awful lot of those. Yeah. 
The thing that lingers most in my memory from your book, Shauna, is a touching dedication, which you Mm. wrote to your husband and two children. Home is wherever I'm with you. Yes. And I couldn't help but wonder, do you actually mean home is wherever I'm baking with you? Do you actually bake with your family? (laughs) That's funny. Do they expect things served on a platter? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I have this conversation a lot because uh, I love my kids, but I also love my time (laughs) in the kitchen. Um, And I'm strategic about what we make together. I mean, we make the banana bread together a lot. um, And there are a few recipes that we'll make together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think as far as the dedication goes, I mean, that really just refers to the fact that you know, we've moved around a little bit as a family. And, uh, you know, it's just where, as long as you're with your people, it feels like home. But, you know, if there's some good stuff to eat, that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. Shauna, it was so great to talk to you. We really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. I love the show. Thanks. Shauna's career began in broadcast journalism and included stints as an entertainment news host and reporter, although she now covers pie instead of Hollywood. Her fourth cookbook, Midwest Made, was published last fall, and she's contributed stories and recipes to The Wall Street Journal, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, O Magazine, and more. She's also the voice behind an award-winning baking blog, Piece of Cake. You can find Shauna at shaunasiever.com. And Renee, before we go... Tell our listeners what's on the specials board for next week. Uh, We have so Mm. much. First of all, we're sharing with you one of our most popular recipes. It's for pretzel rolls. Homemade, chewy, Mm. salty, crunchy on the outside, burnished a perfect brown. They're amazing. We also have some riffs on pasta and grilled cheese sandwiches that I guarantee you've never experienced before (laughs) and are completely pantry friendly. Right? Mm -hmm. We have tricks and tips on how to bake the best brownies ever. Mm. We have a collection of recipes that are certain to satisfy your cravings for something salty and crunchy, right? When you get in one of those stress-eating modes. yes. We teach you how to make your own bagels. Very important. One should always know how to bake a bagel. (laughs) No cream cheese for me, please. please. And a barbecued oven ribs recipe that folks are raving about. No standing at the smoker all weekend long required. Oh, God, that sounds delicious, Renee. I'm glad I hired you all those years ago. You know what you're doing. (laughs) Thanks. Your waistline shows it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Oh, my. This podcast. (laughs) This podcast is produced by Overit Studios, and our producer is the Stillwaters Run Deep Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam <laughs> and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to subscribe to Talking With My Mouthful on your favorite platform and listen to us wherever you go. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Abio Kitchen. You can try Abio right now by going to abiokitchen.com and using the code LC15 for 15% off all Abio cookware. Ciao. Ciao.